hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, friends. Jays, Red Sox, Tarp on the field. Kevin Durant after a summer of discontent going back to Brooklyn. And Ken Dryden joining us on this show. This is Tim and Friends for August 23rd. Live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto, I'm Tim McAuliffe with Jesse Rubinoff, yes, Michael Grange, Joe Siddle, June Lee also stopping by as we attempt to edutain you for the next two hours on Sportsnet 360. 90 minutes on Sportsnet before handing you off to Blue Jays Central. We'll see if they get it in and on time in Boston tonight between the Jays and the Red Sox. If you ride for us, on 360 for the full two hours we're talking Canada basketball with Grange and maybe a little Kevin Durant as his return to Brooklyn was officially announced today as if he wasn't just honoring his contract it was I mean there was a certain pièce de résistance here Jesse Rubinoff of Kevin Durant and the Nets announcing that they would be returning together it was it was almost as fitting as this person leading a nobody gonna stop us now chant have a look i think you might need to take that in one more time so ain't nobody gonna stop us now better the second time and don't worry i know yeah. I, 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 yeah. it was hard to take in the first time i wanted to do it one more let me how about one more time like kevin durant going back to brooklyn is like this person saying ain't nobody gonna stop us now <laughs> the sound the timing the sound all of it and don't yeah. worry i know what you're thinking they were just severely concussed yeah <laughs> Not like that's a big deal or anything. We'll, we'll get to all of it, uh, including Durant and Dryden. All points in between, starting with Jesse Rubinoff. First things first, Let's so go. let it loose, pear juice. Pear juice. First things first. Okay, there's uh, a lot of places we can begin. Today. There are. There are a lot of places. I feel like you're ready to give uh, give us a little something-something on Kevin Durant. Just feel it. Just feel it bubbling. Wasn't wasn't that just it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So why don't we go to the Blue Jays, who open up a three-game series at Fedway Park tonight? Ross Stripling gets the start for the Jays against rookie Josh Winkowski. The Jays are currently in the second wild card spot in the American League, tied with the Mariners, and a half game behind the Rays. Do you think they can build on the momentum of taking two, three, or four in the Bronx? Momentum as good as your next day starter. However, the Jays are playing. Um, very streaky baseball this year. Let's be honest. They have been very good when they are good. They have been very bad when they're very bad. And that's why a bunch of people have had us push the panic button at least, what, three times? Well, they wanted it, but we never actually pushed it. Well, we took the, we took the privileges away after the first time, but we acknowledge that people wanted us right. to push the panic button the next two times. Would you say that the 2-8 the and eight spell before the Yankees series was probably the closest that we have come to officially pushing the panic button? Like, they've had three pretty major spells. No, I, here. Pu- I pushed it on the first one. And I didn't want to, but we had a poll, and the, the people wanted us yeah, to push it. That wasn't your own volition. Though, no, right? yeah. but then I took the privileges away, and that's what got the privileges right. taken away. Now, 
Had you asked me, should we hit the panic button going into, we were unlucky because we were on after the finale of that Orioles series mm -hmm. that the Jays won mm -hmm. 3 p.m. in front of 40,000 people who are doing hybrid work yeah. in the Toronto area because they were able to go down. But if you had to ask me before the finale of that series against the Orioles, I probably would have hit it, and had they lost, we definitely would have hit it. And yet here they've responded again. And as much as I believe that momentum is your next day starter, that streaky play leads me to believe that this should be a time where the Jays get on another run, another heater here. Listen, the schedule softens here. Mm. 12 straight against sub-500 teams. They're playing at Fenway against the Red Sox. They're 10-3 against the Red Sox this season. And even the lineup looks good. Springer back in, though he's not playing center. He is back in. Love to see that. Teoscar is back in, and Ross Stripling is coming off a start in that aforementioned game against the Orioles where he was the stopper. Six innings of perfect ball against Josh Winkowski. Baseball's not always like that, but this feels like a real good opportunity for the Toronto Blue Jays to go on a little bit of a heater here. 31-12 and 12 this season against sub-500 teams, and it looks like... Uh, they can really effectively end the Red Sox season here. They're not quite done yet, but six games out of the wild card. And remember last time the Jays were at Fenway Park, it was a comedy show, to say the least, for the Boston Red Sox. So hey, they can end it this, this series. They, they could. And if you look at the matchups, as we just saw, it looks like they should. If you look at the numbers against sub-500 teams, it looks like they should. If you remember back to 28 runs at Fenway Park, it feels like they should. Baseball's not like that. Again, however, all of these numbers, uh, they come together mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a cacophony of absolute pleasure for Jays fans Coffiny. to suggest that the Jays should be in a good spot here. That doesn't mean they win the game tonight. I'm not saying guaranteed win night. No. Though it would be nice for Jackie Bradley Jr. in his return mm -hmm. to Fenway Park. Believe it is the first time that he will return as a visitor yeah. at Fenway Park and I believe should get a rousing ovation. When you think of Red Sox, uh, you know, guys who have worn the Red Sox jersey over the last decade, is Jackie Bradley Jr. up there? Like when you, th he, he when you jumps think out. of it, yeah, for sure. Over the last decade, like it, you can't yeah, go back forget, to like the Ortiz, forget, yeah, Pedroia, yeah. those right. years. After but, them, Jackie Bradley's yeah. probably the biggest name. Yeah. yeah, it should be fun for him to go back. And I just want to ask you. I know we were talking about this yesterday with with Arden. Like the the key to this turnaround, Arden said yesterday, has been the pitching. And you mentioned Ross Stripling being the stopper. <laughs> and it's been basically all five guys in the Blue Jays rotation have put it all together. And there's this. One guy goes. Careful and then, with the Mitch White putting it together. Well, he had a good outing. A good good outing. Better than we've seen from that spot over the course of the yeah, season. Yeah, four I innings. Yeah. So I just, like, I want to get your opinion on the building off of each last day starter. Because we've seen it with hitters, right? You don't want to be the guy that goes yeah, up there. Streaky. Right? You don't want to yeah. be the guy that goes up there that kills the rally. And it's sort of the same thing with pitchers. Yeah. You don't want to be the pitcher that goes up there and screws it all up. And it feels team. like more, I mean, there's an old cliche in baseball where thing, maybe there's no momentum, but things are contagious, yeah. right? Errors are contagious. Hitting is contagious. Pitching is contagious. And it feels like with this Jays team, all of those things are yeah. true. And that's why instead of the ebbs and flows, you get some mountains and some valleys from this team. Whether it's feast or famine, whatever yeah. cliche you want. It feels like they are that. 
Um, you would hope, though, if you get good starting pitching and Barrios, we're waiting to see if the adjustment will stick. Yeah, string it together. Uh, Stripling, limited, but very, very good. Mitch White, I don't know yet. It seems like he's not going three through the order mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. It's four and done for him. Uh, but if you get that solid starting pitching to really good starting pitching, that's when you can put together runs because you need the starts. Yeah. Are, are you going to break out the Doppler? We go on Timmy Weatherman McAuliffe oh, forgot, at some point? I forgot about the Doppler in this situation. Yeah. I was getting ready for Ken Dryden. I was getting ready for Michael Grange and some basketball talk. Joe Siddle I, later, I completely yeah. forgot about the Doppler radar. The Doppler. I feel like you have to have an American accent when you, when you bust the Doppler? out. The Yeah, Doppler radar. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, check out the Channel 4 Doppler radar. I wonder if they're getting what we got yesterday because it was coming down in sheets here throughout the afternoon yesterday. I thought, I thought weather always goes west. Am I wrong on that? I feel like weather usually that feels in like North that's America not true. I have no idea. I have. No, we'll leave that to the Tim and friends of the show. Nah, I'm pretty sure, at least in southern Ontario, it isn't comes that from, the westerlies? We get, we get Windsor's weather, like a day later. Look at you. There's a reason you get up there and, and do oh, the yeah. Doppler. Oh yeah. Sid and I were both amateur meteorologists. <laughs> right. at Sid's going to be a storm, storm chaser very, very soon. Uh, Although he is a storm chaser on Twitter, but it's a different kind of storm. Nice. I feel like that there. would be good content. Uh, okay, I, I know I'm starting to feel like a bit of a broken record here, but Albert Pujols did it oh again last God. night at Wrigley Field, hitting career home run number 693, his seventh in his last 10 games. It was all the offense the Cardinals would need as Jordan Montgomery threw a complete game. Jordan Montgomery. hit shutout. Yeah. Uh, that's the Maddox, by the way. 99 pitches. Yeah, Unbelievable real performance. Nice, the Cards yeah. won their eighth straight. Does it feel like something special is happening in St. Louis? Yeah, without a doubt. And listen, they're losing right now to the Chicago Cubs. So uh, it's a 2-0 game, top of the eighth. Albert Pujols obviously hasn't hit a home run because they're losing 2-0. But it does feel legendary-like. And yeah. it feels like Albert Pujols, well, you know, we were thinking maybe could he catch... Alex Rodriguez, we're now saying maybe could he hit 700 before the end of the season. And that seemed highly, highly unlikely. As, as late as the All-Star game, this has just been fun to watch. And I know there's a lot of baseball fans in this country who focus in on their team. The Jays mostly, and then there's other, you know, there's Red Sox fans, there's Tigers fans in this country, there's Mariners fans in this country. But if you're just like the average sports slash baseball fan, this card story is nearly impossible to look away from. And this, I think this was the second highest pitch hit for a home run this year. Doesn't make sense. The second highest, and it's Albert Pujols at the age of 65. <laughs> it, is un, it is unbelievable. <laughs> I don't trust his birth certificate. I've said that before. Either way, he is no spring chicken, and he is doing spring chicken-like stuff, and I'm here for it. I don't care. I will line up. I will buy the ticket, and I will enjoy it because it is fun to see. Batting 453. And pass A-Rod because nobody likes A-Rod. I can't even guarantee you that Albert Pujols didn't do what A-Rod did. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. But I'm still cheering for Albert Pujols to pass A-Rod. Yeah. A lot of Jays fans who have the AL team, if you want to adopt the Cardinals as your National League team, why not now? Uh, maybe June Lee's going to join us a little later on. Maybe we'll deep dive the players traded by the Yankees versus yeah. the players they got back at the deadline. Maybe Brian Cashman started. Never mind Aaron Boone and the team. Well, they maybe were booing Cashman at the Paul O'Neill day. Yeah, like some of these... That Jordan Montgomery, 
Like, so that doesn't that, look good. No, it doesn't. Harrison you want Bader. me to go? Harrison Bader hasn't played. Frankie Montas's yeah. numbers. I mean, Bader's gonna play, and they're getting healthy. Uh, JP Sears, <laughs> three starts with the A's, two and 176 year. We'll, we'll examine this a little bit with June Lee, who's going to join us a little bit later. Joe Siddle will go through the Jays and a bunch of storylines heading into Boston. Yeah. So uh, the Yankees won the game last night, but literally all of the attention in the baseball world and the social media world was on one Yankees fan who decided yes. to use a straw. Uh, to poke a hole in his hot dog, which, uh, you know, people call the glizzy nowadays. Yeah, the glizzy. The glizzy. And then do, do yeah, do what you just saw, uh, which is... A glizzy yeah, straw. Use the, the glizzy as a straw to soak in the beer, which gives uh, a lot of fodder okay. and a lot of ammo. Now, I know everyone saw this, but we need, we need, to, we need to focus in one more sure, time sure. at just what happened here. Man takes straw, stuffs it through wiener, careful with this... Mm. And yeah, creates a straw-like wiener <laughs> a straw that he like can wiener. now. Okay. He, sorry, hot dog that he can now drink his beer through, which just so happens. And, and call me a little skeptical here, maybe, but just so happens to be caught all on camera. Yeah. Like oh, so here. So we, imme- yeah. no, no I immediate reaction. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Yes. Gross. Of course. But I said you I did respect- not tweet that. Uh, I, I respected the ingenuity. I said that's what I tweeted. I said, look, we, we need people to do smart things in this world. Not this isn't necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize this as smart, but I, I think we we are lacking some creativity in society these days. We need people who are pushing the envelope a little bit. All right, you know what I mean? And like, what's with people getting so judgy about what other people eat? Like, just relax a bit. Like, it was everyone saying, oh, this guy deserves life in prison and this and that. It's like, come on. There's some sarcasm to the life in prison thing, right? A little bit, yeah. Just just a bit. But (laughs) But it gave us a match game. Yeah, it did give us a match game. Did you not think that uh, going through your timeline last night, this was, like, arguably the most tweeted about video in the history of time? I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And I probably should have collected every major sports account had that video on their account yesterday. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen, and maybe because the Jays weren't playing last night, and you and I probably get the algorithm for a lot of Jays content, and it just ended up being every other baseball content. But literally, at one point this morning, I opened my Twitter timeline, and there was like six accounts in a row that just had the video of this dude sipping on some scissor through a hot dog, (laughs) which to me, let's be fair, is completely and utterly gross. Yeah, I mean, there's some weird stuff going on at baseball games these days, you know what I mean? Uh, But let's go to the match game, which uh, you see right there. It may sound weird, but I eat blank, and it's awesome. And boy, did we have some good responses rolling into this. And like I said... You gotta be careful. Are there, like, some sensitive content? Yeah, right? Yeah, I was careful. Okay, good. I, yeah, I picked her some, <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> All right, let's start with uh, Mike, who says, It may sound weird, but I eat peanut butter and cheese Whiz on toast, and it's awesome. Sorry. Peanut butter. And, okay, I, yeah. that's just the start. You're, Mike. Yeah. You're, you're going to see peanut butter factor in a lot here. Uh, <laughs> says, It may sound weird, but I eat brown sugar and lemon juice on my French toast, and it's awesome. Brown sugar and lemon juice. I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, it's a weird mix, but I don't know. Like that. Wait, you're a fan of the lemon juice? I mean, the lemon juice juice is obviously what's weird there. Brown sugar and fresh toast. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. 
Okay, Jeff, it may sound weird, but I eat peanut butter and ketchup on my hot dogs, and it's awesome. That, oh, that is interesting. Offside. Yeah. Judgment-free zone for me. Uh, Big Nickel Girl Dad uh, says, I eat canned tuna in boxed mac and cheese, and it's awesome. I used to do this all the time as a kid. Canned tuna in, so you just throw the tuna into the mac and cheese. Yeah, you could even do it on a plate afterwards. Yeah. Again, sounds disgusting. Whole, it was fantastic. It's like a tuna casserole. Shout out Subway. That's what it becomes. It's tuna casserole. You like tuna casserole? All right. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I do not like tuna casserole. Well, then you but, wouldn't like this. Yeah, but, but I get, you like no, tuna I, casserole. I, I, no, the, this is good. The correlation is is very much a part of what we're doing here. The exercise here will be how the bleep did you end up here? And tuna casserole is a great correlation. I don't know I'm if you that. have one. I'm going to read a couple more. And let I don't you, have any. Let you formulate. I don't buy that. I'll let you formulate an answer while I read a couple more here. Okay. <laughs> Robert says. I don't have any. Use chips as the means of conveyance for eating craft dinner. Barbecue chips are the best, and it's got to be a fresh bag, so you have plenty of big, sturdy chips. You will feel like ish afterwards, but you will also have no regrets. I okay, love that Robert is your uncle, isn't it? Now, that's just, that's just... Brilliant. No, but you can figure out the correlation here. He went to a Jays game or any game, and he got that crappy nachos and cheese yeah. and thought, how can I how can I kick this up another notch? Yeah. Right? That's just nachos I feel, I feel like these are your favorites, like the one that, that gets super specific. So <laughs> oh, yeah. if, if you want to get on the show, I love be as specific things. as possible. Uh, Vicky more. says, it may sound weird, but I eat plain potato chips followed with a shot of white vinegar. Vicky, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> no! An extra kick compared compare to your regulars. <laughs> just get, like, they brand, already got that. Just get a brand of yeah. salt and vinegar chips you know, that are a little more vinegary than the others. I, I gave Chris Paul ketchup chips, and he said to me, uh, I've been dipping my regular chips in ketchup for years. I can't believe somebody made this. We did a Canadian yeah, thing with the really NBA All-Stars, mm -hmm. and he hated the ketchup chips and says, I'm going back to dipping my chips in ketchup. Have you had the spicy, sweet ketchup Miss Vicky's? No, I've heard of them. They're new. Yeah. yeah. Elite. Elite. One more. Uh, Masta says, my kid has toasted marshmallows with barbecue sauce. What is going on? Are you people lying to us? That's what I want to know. Are these just fake? Do we have to, I mean, we said this yesterday when we were doing the CNE, or last week when we were doing the CNE stuff. Should we try one of these things that people are sending in? Yeah, would love that. For sure. Because that sound, all of it sounds disgusting, but I'll try it. Let's do it Friday. Not yep. one of those things, although... We can do multiple. If Why you not? just gave me mac and cheese and... Tuna. That's nothing. No, no that, the, that, the does, that doesn't qualify. Disgusting. No, that's, mac not, and cheese and tuna. that's not difficult enough. Tuna is just disgusting. All right, keep them coming. We got a uh, lot still to get to here, so we got to move on, unfortunately. But it does appear as though we have a resolution to the Kevin Durant net saga. GM Sean Marks released a statement earlier today that said he and Steve Nash, along with the Nets owners, met with Durant in Los Angeles yesterday, and both sides have agreed to move forward with the partnership. Is this the end of this? For now, there's no good deal. But what, but what the, the Nets won, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Like the Nets won this little battle where KD wanted... Sean Marks and Steve Nash out, that didn't happen. He wanted out, that didn't happen. And everyone met and said, the best way to get this done is to wait a little while so that you can add, say, a Bam Adebayo and a Bam Simmons. You gotta wait a little while due to NBA contract rules to get mm -hmm. something like that done, or a Donovan Mitchell. So everyone play nice for a little while, and then we can get this done. The, the subplot to this, because 
you and I had suggested all along that this was the most plausible. This was the this was most likely to happen mm -hmm. that Kevin Durant would end up on the Brooklyn Nets and let's separate our shoulders, patting ourselves yeah. in the back yeah, because we got that one from jump. But Kevin Durant going on to Twitter again and whether it was and I got it here, you don't have to search it up. Patrick Beverly, y'all can sit down and say nothing. It ain't cool. It's dudes with families out here who haven't gotten a job because of this KD bleep uh, and the blame KD on top. Um, I'll cover off something there. <laughs> Didn't realize it. Sorry, That's right, I'll it's... cover it off. Um, KD, blame KD. Hashtag blame KD. And then there's another guy out there who's going after him. Jordan Hicks, former linebacker, I believe, with the Eagles. He was tweeting. KD went after him too. Oh, like, man. is this necessary? Is it completely and utterly immature? Like, why does K KD created this mess, didn't like the mess, in part with Kyrie Irving, who also created this mess, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now is trying to change this mess? Like, is this the final pushback from everyone else? Does KD have any self-awareness? Does he not need any self-awareness? Like, I don't know the answers to any of this, but I got a feeling there's a lot of people with an opinion on this. Yeah. And it's not that it's necessary. It's that this guy has remarkably thin skin and is immature or childish. Yeah, this whole thing is on brand for him. Like, this has been his MO for the last number of years now. This isn't like a thing he woke up today and started going after people on Twitter. Like, this has been four or five years of this happening now. And I feel like he thrives off of this. Like, he wants to have the me versus them mentality. And maybe that's what gets him yeah. going. Because it is even hard to I'm get a, up, you know, as Even though I'm sometimes. a top three player in the world, I feel like I'm constantly being scorned. Yeah. But yeah. isn't that, like, uh, athletes have used that in the past, too. All the time. All the time. All the time. So maybe that's, that's what he wants to do here. Okay, what's more controversial? KD tweeting back and clapping back? Or me thinking that the dude drinking the beer out of the hot dog was a plant? No, like the second was, one's not controversial. That it was set up. No, KD is more controversial. The, the, the second one is, I mean, you could make a very strong case that that was a setup. Can we, like, just put word out? We got a strong contingent of, of friends of the show yeah. online. Yeah. Can we find this dude? You want to interview him? Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> mind just asking, like, where did you start doing this? And how did the dude get this perfectly on camera yeah. where you were sitting on the end and he was sitting on the end of this the This is road. why I respect like, this it. Is, this is why I respect it. It feels like a bit of a plan. It's interesting. But why the hell not? Yeah. You went viral? I love it. Do you make it. any money from it? Do you go on shows? What do you do? Kind of like the Sons and Four guy. Do you, think, do you think it's a plan? No, I don't think it's a plan. But you can make a case. I don't think it's a plan. You don't think it's a plan? No. You don't think it was set up? No. Just happened to be filming another random human being at a baseball game? I think when someone pulls out a straw and <laughs> goes after their, their glizzy, I think you start filming immediately. Still to come, <laughs> Michael Grange from Victoria's Canada. Seve, you disagree? You think it was set up? Yeah? Camera was so good, yeah. <laughs> this camera was too perfect. I don't know. Yeah, says our, says our camera person, Jesse. Maybe you should listen to his expertise. Yeah, you're right. Michael Grange from Victoria, Canada prepares for their FIBA World Cup qualifiers, plus his thoughts on KD. The legend Ken Dryden on his new book, celebrating the 50-year anniversary. Oh, it's unbelievable that it's 50 years after 72 in Summit Series. Uh, Adam Stanley, one-on-one -on -one with Brooke Henderson. Joe Siddle here to help us tee up the 
Jays and the Red Sox. Plus, after the break, the pressure has been palpable at Yankee Stadium. We'll go there and talk with ESPN's June Lee next on Tim and Friends. This is how it's going to be the rest of the way for the Toronto Blue Jays. Every inning, every pitch, every swing is going to mean something for them. Kevin Durant will be staying in Brooklyn for the foreseeable future. At the end of the day, the Brooklyn Nets did what they were intending to do all along. Keep his behind right here. Sam Fork fell. Here's another shot right by the score! Welcome back, friends. The playoff races are heating up around the majors. Tonight on Sportsnet, we've got the Jays and the Red Sox. Blue Jays Central coming your way 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. While on Sportsnet 1 at 7 Eastern, if you want to flip in commercials, feel free. It's the Subway Series. Yankees and Mets, they close out their mini two-game series. Taiwan Walker starts for the Mets against the struggling new Yankee. Frankie Montas. We'll get into that with June Lee, who is supposed to join us from Yankee Stadium in mere moments from now. But uh, let's refresh what is going on with what happened at Yankee Stadium yesterday with a man drinking a beer through a hot dog. It has led us to our match game of the day. I'm getting nauseous over here. <laughs> I did, I did see you take a deep breath and hold the chin. For those who haven't seen the most viral video of maybe the year, here's the dude punching a hole in his hot dog. Careful, McCallum. And sipping beer yeah. through that hot dog. Yeah. Like, what uh, is that ad? That's why I think it's set up. Like, how would you even ponder that? Wasting 10 bucks on a hot dog to drink a $15 beer. Right, so it's $25 that you essentially just, right. unless he enjoys that it. That beer must be really, really good. Unless he enjoys it. Maybe he enjoys it. Yeah. And who are we to tell people what they enjoy? Wait a second, we have a match game on. Yes, exactly. It may sound weird, but I eat blank, and it's awesome. And the responses are flowing in here. Uh, we are currently number four trending match game is in Canada. So let's keep them coming. Uh, Uncle says, toasted peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. Toasted peanut butter and bacon. Yeah. What's the peanut butter thing? Like, why does everybody put peanut butter on everything? Well, I think that they just see the possibilities to mix peanut butter because there is peanut butter with jelly already. There is peanut butter and chocolate already. Peanut butter goes with a lot of things, and I think people just like to experiment with mm. two things. And I think you hit it the nail on the head there. Bacon and peanut butter is what mostly people experiment with. Yeah. Uh, Nick says Oreos. <laughs> Oreos dipped in orange juice. Yeah, I know. That's gotta be fake news. Nah, he's just he's just doing that to me. That feels like something like feels like that would be damaging. Show video of it, Nick. I that would see, be damaging. I see video of it. That can't be healthy. Don't do that, Nick. Come on now. Uh, Golden says eating Italian style breadcrumbs with a spoon. <laughs> no. Why? It's like a spoonful? I know just... it's bread, but it's just weird. But you know it's fine. I said I wouldn't judge. I'm not judging. I'm keep it. Keep it on lock. Josh says, I used to dunk cheese whiz toast in hot chocolate. Weirdest thing I did as a kid food-wise anyways. So it seems like a lot of people are going the route of cheese whiz, peanut butter. Like, I don't know if this is weird, but what I do sometimes is I have chocolate with my coffee. And it's just... No, that's not weird at all. Because then it tastes like coffee crisp. I feel like I've said this on the show before. There's several different coffees that involve chocolate, right? Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That happens all the time. That's not weird at all. 
Yeah, yes. I was just, look, I was just looking <laughs> for an example. You know another one? Fries and ice cream. Dip the fries in the ice cream. Yeah, I, f- I feel like people do that too. Let's let's bring June Lee yeah. in on the conversation. Yeah. Uh, he is at Yankee Stadium in New York. Uh, June, inspired by this dude who drank his beer through a hot dog, can I ask you, like, what's the one food thing that you are kind of sort of ashamed that you enjoy from time to time? And it's okay if you don't have an answer, because I don't really have an answer myself. No, I have an answer. I'm like a really picky eater, so I've got a lot of weird eating habits that I developed at like five years old that I never grew out of. (laughs) I really like a slice of Kraft American cheese with my rice and like my beef at times. Like it's just a nice artificial, very orange tasting. Do you melt it? It it melts over top the rice. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you can melt it on the rice. You can melt. I mean, you can eat it with the rice. I mean, it'll melt in your mouth. Like, I just I love having that artificial cheese taste uh, with some of my my Korean food. I I do the chat. I eat a lot of uh, rice and chicken, uh, and I do usually like a, a vegetable with that, which is broccoli, and I like melting the cheese on top of the broccoli and then i eat that with the rice yeah. all the time well that, that also just negates the health of the broccoli too yeah, <laughs> yes it does and also makes it eatable which uh, <laughs> is part of the equation here um speaking of palatable where are we on the new york yankees they were getting booed on the week did they get a little bit of breathing room in game one of this mini subway series I think that there's been kind of patches where there's been breathing room, but on the whole, I think that this team is in a place of urgency right now. I wrote a story for ESPN.com last week where the clubhouse was kind of acknowledging the fact that they, they had lost their sense of urgency coming out of the, the all-star break because of their enormously in the division, uh, and that the, there was a little bit of too much comfort going on. You know, you're seeing a lot of guys struggling at the same time between Aaron Hicks and a lot of injuries piling up between John Carlos Stanton, yeah. Michael King, one of their best relievers is out for the season, Clay Holmes is on the injured list. Uh, there was a lot of stuff piling off for the Yankees at the same time that has led to this team uh, not being able to kind of put together a consistent stretch here in August. Okay, so we, we listen, you're, you're eight games up in the division, you're 27 games over 500, and it feels like there's heat. It, it True or false, there's actual, and listen, you can add, we were just talking about J.P. Sears' numbers with the A's, Joey Gallo's numbers with the Dodgers, Frankie Montas's numbers with the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery yesterday looks great. Like, is there actual legitimate heat on Brian Cashman Aaron Boone or anyone else in that Yankees organization? Not not yet, but they're definitely starting to feel it. I mean, Brian Cashman came out yesterday and had to address the media and give a voice of support for Aaron Boone because of how much you know he's been getting booed, how much Brian Cashman was getting booed. I mean, he got booed during Paul O'Neill's number retirement ceremony a couple days ago. This is bleeding into the ceremonial parts of you know the Yankee culture. Uh, they're at a point where you know, I don't think the actual heat is there yet just because Cashman has such a legacy and a track record to stand upon. Yeah. But, you know, we're looking at a point where I think Boone is really having to find out who he is as a manager. If he's a guy that can actually lead this team to a championship moving forward, not just this year. And Brian Cashman is also reportedly on the last year of his deal as well. So I have to imagine there's a level of pressure on both of them to make sure that the ship is, is, is righted and that, you know, there's a level of confidence. I mean, Aaron Boone for all the ups and downs over the course of the last couple of weeks, with the exception of slamming the table over the weekend during the press conference, has remained pretty even keeled. And I think that the team is really leaning on that for him to not panic 
for this team to move forward and make sure they find success as they move forward. But isn't just part of this, June, that the Yankees are going to get healthy over the next little while and be better? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it, I think, is that yeah. they're going to get healthy. John Carlos Stan's going to be back on Thursday. Luis Severino tossed the bullpen today uh, and is going to be coming back by mid-September. And then on top of all of that, you know, I was talking to another talent evaluator in the American League, and he was actually talking about how the fact that he is jealous of the Yankees going through their slumping stretch right now versus in you know, late September, early October. You know, they're getting all their struggles out right now versus a team like the Dodgers that hasn't really struggled all year, a team like the Mets, who the Yankees are playing tonight, that hasn't struggled all year. There's a level of trying to get that major slump down and out of the way instead of having it happen in October and having those mental spirals, you know, getting to in your own head happen in October at the highest stakes possible. All right, I love that we can just talk baseball with you. And before I let you go with about a minute left here, is there some sort of poetic justice that Albert Pujols is on absolute fire and we hear that Artie Moreno may be looking at selling the team in Anaheim? There really, really is. There, there really, really is. I mean, I think we're at the point where, you know, when push comes to shove, we're going to find out if the Angels trade Pool, uh, if they trade Otani or they trade Trout, you know, or if they don't, if they can actually build a team around him. And, if, you know, the, the excuse of Artie Moreno, you know, being the meddler, being the reason why this team can't move forward is out the window now once he sells the team. You know, I want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs in a legitimate way. You know, for the first time in both of their careers, uh, and you know, I, th I think that there is a level of poetic justice that you know, Pools kind of became a forgotten legend over the last couple of years in Anaheim there, and you know, he's he's kind of brought me back into where I was in 2004, 2005, 2006 when yeah. you know he was a lock to hit 40 homers a year, hit 300 every single year. You knew exactly what to expect out of Albert Pools, and I'm just glad that. You know, we're getting a little bit of that taste of nostalgia as he inches closer to 700 homers. And it figures that he does it in St. Louis, who seem to get the most out of everybody all the time for some strange reason. Uh, thanks for doing this, June. I wish we had had more time, but unfortunately we have to say goodbye. Enjoy Mets-Yankees tonight. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Appreciate it. Anytime, June. Literally, there is ESPN's June Lee. Uh, and you can see that game on Sportsnet 1. Time for a break. When we come back, it's been 50 years since the iconic summit series between the Canadian team and the Soviets. Nyet, nyet, Soviet, da, da, Canada. Canada. Ken Dryden was in net for Canada. Did I almost say Canada dry? Anyways, Ken Dryden was in net for Canada. We'll talk to him next on Different Friends.
amazingly 50 years ago. My next guest is nearly impossible to encapsulate in an intro. Just one of the best goaltenders in hockey history. And that's just one of the, I don't know, 7,692 ways to describe the man. Businessman, politician, lawyer, activist, teacher, son, brother, father, grandfather, and author all over again. Please help me welcome Ken Dryden back to the show. Ken, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Uh, I said author again because on this, the 50-year anniversary of the most iconic and probably most important hockey in this country's history, you have written another book on the Summit series entitled simply The Series. As I listed off to the top, you've done a couple of things in your lifetime. What made you want to do this? For the, up until about a year and a half ago, I didn't want to do this. I, I was sure that I didn't want to do it. And, and finally I decided, okay, what, how would I write this book that I don't want to write if I would write it? And I decided, okay, it would be very simple, and it's what turned out to be the subtitle, is um, what I remember, what I felt, what I feel now. That's it. It's, it's, it's either in me or it isn't. I'm not doing all kinds of research, doing all kinds of interviews. It is an attempt to try to not only uh, put, uh, to put myself back in that exact moment at that time, and what it all felt like, seemed like, um, who the 25-year-old was that was arriving uh, on, onto the ice at the Montreal Forum for for Game One, and and for those for those probably 25 million or 26 million Canadians now who were not born at that time have no firsthand memory of it, to try to convey by helping them be there at that moment to try to to feel what it felt like and to understand why those who talk about it and and write about it say it was so transformational and was really not only the biggest moment in Canadian hockey history but really in all of international hockey history it's I was just gonna say the the very same thing like it was a couple of years before I was born I had three older brothers though that helped me uh, understand it I had a, a, a hockey playing sports loving dad I heard the stories too but it, it, it's crazy to think that there is a generation and beyond that missed this and and as you're saying that I'm thinking what, what would you hope that they maybe get from the book yeah, I, I think that, that I mean, and, and probably, and I'm, I'm guessing for you, yep. uh, your own personal reference point uh, may have been the 87 Canada Cup yep. and how great that was and, and Gretzky and Lemieux together and the incredible 6-5 to five win uh, in, in that series. For some others, it may be 2010 and the Olympics in Vancouver. And, and, and so... It's, it's to say you know, to you who have those reference points, why is it that, that this one actually is different from 87 and different from 2010? And, 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 and again, I think it, it's, it's, like the, it, it's like the joke, where the joke has the punchline and it has the story. And, and the power of the punchline comes from the power of the story. And so it is, okay, what is the story that leads up to this punchline? And it's that story that I try to get at of where, and as I write in the book, 
you know, that probably for me, beginning as a seven-year-old, um, listening to Foster Hewitt on CBC call the game from Europe, and Foster Hewitt never went to Europe to call any kind of game, between the Penticton V's and the Soviet Union, the year after the Soviets had won the world championship in their first attempt after only having played for eight years. And, and so why did that matter so much to Canadians and to me as a seven-year-old? And then, and then the rest of it, the, the Whitby Dunlops, the Trail Smoke Eaters, the Belleville McFarlands, and then finally the national team, when we could no longer win and it was clear that we couldn't win any longer. And that incredible feeling that we had that was so deep for hockey, so deep for Canada, knowing that, that we were the best in the world, we were the originators, the developers, the best in the world, and every year somebody else, and usually the Soviets, was called world champion. Right. And how totally aggravating that was. <laughs> finally, finally, in 1972, we had a chance to, you know, to, to set it all right. And so to try to convey that as part of the backdrop to then the rest of the story to then the Paul Henderson goal with 34 seconds to go as the punchline. So my, my old man played for the Allen Cup winning Windsor Bulldogs. And in 1963, they uh -huh. toured Russia and they, right. they brought along a few people. And in, I remember from his stories in 72, he warned everybody that they were going to be way better than anyone thought. That's part of the slub plot here, isn't it, Ken, is that when, when game one was played in the form in Montreal and the 25-year-old Ken Dryden went to the ice, most of Canada thought you were going to whoop their rear ends. Not only most of Canada, I think most of the Soviet Union did right. as well, and including the Soviet players. And, and, uh, and that, I mean, that, that, you know, that, the, that Canada had been represented, and I, and I was part of the last national team. Mm -hmm. We were made up of a lot of really good former juniors, and, and, but not the best former juniors. They went on to the NHL. And, and, and so, you know, that, that, that now here was the best of the best. I mean, that, that, and, and at that time in the NHL, virtually 100% of the players were Canadian. Right. There were no European players. That particular year later on, I think Borja Salming and Inga Hammerstrom started, um, and, you know, were the first Europeans to really play regularly in the NHL. But all of the all-stars, all of the trophy winners, um, all of the top scorers in the league, they were Canadian. And so whatever it, you know, whatever the Soviet record was and however good they were and however differently they played, it was irrelevant because we were so much better. And that was what was going to play out. And that's what became just the, the utter shock of the first game in Montreal and of losing. 7-3. All right, last one for you here, and, and this one might be a little more intricate, but I often feel like we overstate what hockey means in Canada. Like, I, I feel like we try and draw these conclusions about what we learn in hockey to being Canadian. And I know you literally wrote a book on being Canadian, so I'm asking you, what do you think we got from 72 that lives on now uh, beyond 2000 and here 50 years later? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, there are so few chances to share a moment. Right. 
in any kind of moment. I mean, that, 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 that share it nationally, share it generationally. Um, um, they just don't happen um, very often. And, and oftentimes, um, um, I mean, if, if they come, they seem as if they aren't necessarily even that important a moment. They just happen to be a shareable moment. And I think that, you know, for example, people in, in Britain, when Princess Diana died, right. um, you know, it was a shareable moment. Everybody could get it. Everybody could understand it. And, and, it, and it became something bigger than anybody might have imagined. The thing that, that just still stuns me about this particular series is that the population of Canada at the time was 22 million. And, and that particular, on, 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 on the, the day of the eighth game, and the eighth game was played on a Thursday, uh, September the 28th, and, and it started at 7 o'clock, or sorry, 8 o'clock Moscow time, which meant it started at 1.30 in St. John's, Newfoundland. It started at 1 o'clock in Halifax, at 12 noon in Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, at 11 o'clock in Winnipeg, at 10 o'clock in Calgary and Edmonton, and at 9 o'clock in Vancouver, Victoria, and Whitehorse. It was a work day. It was in the heart of the work day. It was in the heart of the school day. And despite all of that, of the 22 million Canadians aged zero to over 100, 16 million watched. Work stopped. School stopped. And, and if that isn't the definition of, of, of a nation stopping, we say that kind of, you know, offhandedly about a number of different things. But when 16 million out of 22 million that are supposed to be working and supposed to be going to school decide to stop to share a moment, that's pretty neat. Without a doubt. That's, and I remember my brothers telling me that they wheeled the TV into the auditorium at Annunciation Catholic School. And that was mind-blowing to me to think that what they were watching hockey at school instead of doing And that is uh, 16 million of 22 million. It is still mind-blowing. The book, once again, uh, simply called the series, the author, a man that most hockey fans and most Canadians know, Ken Dryden. Uh, love that you've been able to do this. Love talking hockey with you. Thank you for stopping by, sir. Thanks a lot, Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Ken Dryden. On the other side, the last time the Jays were at Fenway, they outscored the Red Sox 40-10 to in a three-game sweep. They'll look to bring the bats alive once again, while Ross Stripling looks to continue his dominance in the opener. Dominance. Joe Siddle, next here on Tim. Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two. Tim and friends, full hour Sportsnet 360, which includes Michael Grange from Victoria talking Canada basketball and a wee bit of Kevin Durant. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet because the Blue Jays 
are taking over the airwaves with Blue Jays Central. Jays, Red Sox, whenever they get going, Tarp has been on the field all afternoon at Fenway. Joe Siddle, speaking of Blue Jays Central, will pop by in just a second to tee it up. But first, your news of the day. And on this August 23rd, hockey creeping closer. Another free agent off the board. Former Jet Paul Stastny, one-year, one-and-a-half million-dollar deal with Carolina Jesse. Seems like good value. Definitely. 36-year-old had 21 goals, 45 points with the Jets last season and joins the Canes team hoping for big things this season. Speaking of big things this season, I don't know if they expected it in St. Louis, but they're getting it. Taking on the Cubs today, and there is Chris Chelios throwing out the first pitch. Expected better. Me too. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd say it to his face, but I did expect better. <laughs> 25-year-old undrafted free agent Javier Assad making his major league debut for the Cubs. And facing Albert Pujols at 693. Hit it on Monday night. Top second, Assad. Sits down the veteran cloaking. First major league strikeout, Albert Pujols. That's not bad. Yeah, but still, I want to see him hit a bomb. And no. no. It's a line drive, ball boy or man. Shouldn't they all just be boys? Anyways. Doesn't know that it's going fair, it is fair. Ball goes off his glove, it's a stand-up double, ground rule double, but run would not score. So Pujols one for four, no big fly on the day. Assad went four innings, gives up four hits, no earned runs, one of five Cubs to combine for a five-hit shutout. Wow. As the Cardinals go down their winning streak is over, ladies and gentlemen, sticking with baseball. And Angels owner Artie Moreno saying today that he is exploring selling the team. And here is the live reaction from Anaheim. Or something of the sort. Jeff Passon following up the news saying the fallout from Artie Moreno selling the Angels would be monumental. One opens the door to a Shohei Otani trade or record setting extension. With enormous revenues, the Angels have still never had a payroll over 183 million. That should change. He says that'll change. I say that should change. And the MLB's most hands-on owner is gone. And that's another way of saying meddling owner mm. is gone. Stay tuned on this one. It could be interesting, Jesse. Shohei. I mean, that's all that matters. The other stuff is cool. What happens with Shohei? Yeah, that guy Trout, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> He's pretty good, too. They can't yeah. win with either of them, which is insane. Back to the Jays, who opened, as mentioned, a three-game set at Fenway tonight. Weather permitting, see it on Sportsnet, Blue Jays Central, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Jays swept the Red Sox, including that 28-run explosion last time they were at Fenway Park. Ross Stripling, the ball in the opener. He was perfect through six in a dazzling effort last time out. Josh Winkowski counters for the last place Red Sox. Jose Barrios against Rich Hill tomorrow. Kevin Gossman going for the Jays Thursday. He dominated the Red Sox or has dominated the Red Sox this season. One more pitching note. We'll get into it. Joe Siddle Jays have activated Tim Meza after just two weeks. Their ugly separated shoulder. Option Zach Pop. Tough break for Zach Pop, although yeah. I don't know if he's going anywhere. Maybe that's one of those ones where you option he doesn't actually. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Jay's lineup against Winkowski tonight. George Springer back. I mean, he's DHing, but he is back and leading off for the first time since fouling a ball off his knee in New York on Thursday. Vladdy Uriel Jr. Alejandro Kirk will follow Teoscar batting fifth. Bo Bichette sixth. Matt Chapman seventh. Kevin Biggio plays second, while Jackie Bradley Jr. plays center and bats ninth in his first ever game as a visiting player in Fenway earlier. 
Jackie Bradley reflected on the move to Toronto. I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I, that, that I have here. Um, obviously, um, have aspirations um, to try to make it deep into the playoffs and um, ultimately want to, you know, win a World Series. And um, you know, I what has happened then can't affect what's going on now. Um, you know, each day is a, a different day. Um, in order to to make something happen that day, um, opportunity to do something and help the team win that day. My dude say black don't crack. It must be true. Holy crap! He yeah. looks like a kid He's still. A yeah, Holy he's definitely a crap! All right, uh, let's take it a step further with the star of Blue Jays Central. At least the idea of the Red Sox, not the last part. The Red Sox <laughs> and the Jays. My friend of yours, Joe Siddle, joins us now. Welcome back, Joe. How are you, man? All good, Timmy. How are we doing? Uh, good. Very good. Let, let's start where we started this show. Does it feel like maybe some momentum, or I hate the word momentum in baseball because you get into that conversation about starters, but is it just maybe some confidence that was built in the Bronx, Joe? Well, I would think so. I mean, you go into Yankee Stadium and take three out of four from the Yankees, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's when you catch a team, and they caught the Yankees at a terrible time for Aaron Boone and his club. But you capitalize on it. You take three out of four from them, and you have to feel pretty good. That's, that's a nice time for an off day. You get out of there, you enjoy an off day, and now you start at Fenway Park. And, uh, of course, Boston's a different team, too. This AL East is a funny division right now. You've got the Red Sox that are down. The Orioles are kind of on the way up. And you can talk about playing teams that are under 500, but it's never easy at Fenway Park. And uh, what more do you want than Ross Dripling on the mound for game one, though? This, uh, this sets up very nicely for the Blue Jays. Does it feel, and maybe, maybe you would know, is there feeling maybe like the Red Sox are fighting for 2022 here? Like if it doesn't happen here, it doesn't happen? Well, absolutely, yeah. They've kind of like falling away here, and especially with what they did at the deadline when you start moving a couple pieces. And yeah, they brought a couple in too, but it was a funny deadline. And the Red Sox, news all around the Red Sox right now, it's really it's just kind of a little confounding too. And you've got the murmurs about Devers and where's he going eventually? Are they going to be able to sign him? And the Bogarts news. So a lot of, uh, and a lot of people didn't, I don't think were happy, Bogarts included, to see their catcher Vasquez moved at the deadline to Houston. So yeah, they're just not in a very good spot. So once again, you caught the the Yankees are a good time. Maybe you're catching Boston at a good time, too, because the Blue Jays need to keep piling up wins. They have a lighter part of the schedule right now, but as we know down the stretch, it is not going to be easy. That one series, five games in four days against the Rays, so September should be a lot of fun in Toronto. Should be pretty cool, too, for Jackie Bradley to return as an opponent tonight, no? Yeah, it always is, and I think especially with the way he went out there, he certainly had some great times in a Red Sox uniform at Fenway Park, but now he's, uh, he's on another contender trying to, to beat up on the Red Sox, and this is a, a nice piece that the Blue Jays added. You know, it's not necessarily that left-handed bat that we were talking about all along, but this guy plays defense. It's probably an upgrade from Bradley Zimmer, who was not getting much playing time at all. And wouldn't you know it, he came to the plate and had a couple big plate appearances at Yankee Stadium on the weekend. And to get the start tonight in center field at Fenway, pretty special for Jackie, I'm sure. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so the starter for the Jays, Ross Stripling, I can't believe I'm saying this, but since taking over from Hyunjin Ryu, he has a top five ERA in the American League. How, how is Stripling doing this? Joe, with what most people would say is like not high, high-end stuff. 
Well, he uses all four pitches, so he's very unpredictable. That's first and foremost. I think the second thing is it's the changeup. He is, he is a changed man with the way he is using the changeup. Now he's using it to righties a lot as well, and it's an excellent, excellent pitch because it comes right off of his fastball. The other thing he does, and I thought he really noticed it last start there when he was six perfect innings against the Orioles, he locates and commands that fastball so well because he might just go up and away to a lefty with it, but he's doing it by design to set up the next pitch, which might be the change up down. So he really moves the fastball around the zone, and it's, it always seems like it's on point. And when he's commanding that fastball, putting it where he wants, he can sequence pitches, and he's a bright guy. This is a very cerebral pitcher. In talking to him, you'll just the conversations are very enlightening because as a catcher calling a game, you think like that too. You're thinking one and two and three pitches ahead. I think Ross does that in his head. And now yeah. with his catcher, and tonight it's Alejandro Kirk, a little change behind the plate. I was a little surprised that you know, Jansen had the six perfect innings last time out. He gets Kirk tonight with Springer DH, and he's got to get his bat in the lineup. So a little different behind the plate as well for Ross. All right, so Timmy Mesa back. Uh, that was pretty quick. Zach Pop option, which seems tough. Just a numbers game for Pop, and what can you expect from Mesa coming back that quickly? I thought it was very quickly. I thought for sure he'd spend a couple of outings down there on rehab just to make sure everything is okay. But obviously what they were able to do while he was out by keeping the arm going and throwing, that helps. But still, there's nothing like actually facing live hitters. And yes, he had the rehab assignment, but now it's about facing live hitters in the big leagues at Fenway Park or in Rogers Center this weekend. So it's going to be different. I thought it was quick. And I think for Zach Pop, you know, this is an arm that I, I really like what I see from Zach Pop, Zach Pop because of the velocity and because of the movement. Now, what are the Blue Jays going to do with him? I think this is a beautiful pitching project because there's no way that he should not be getting more swing and miss with that stuff. Ground balls are a wonderful thing, soft contact, but I think there's more in the tank and maybe it's improving that slider as a secondary pitch. Maybe it's incorporating something else. I'm more excited to probably see Zach Pop next season. Not that he can't help the Blue Jays this year, but after the Blue Jays get their hands on him and maybe they start doing some pitch design and seeing what's best for him because that's a great arm. Speaking of great arms, is there any, and I know banking on this is, is, is near fool's gold, but is there any chance that Nate Pearson and Julian Merriweather play a factor down the stretch here? I can't see it, Tim. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen this movie, and to count on those arms at this time of year when every game is going to be crucial, my answer is no. That's not what you're counting on. And I think all season long, if the Blue Jays were counting on that, that's, that's great. You have that. And maybe after the trade deadline, if one of them comes back and really pitches some important innings to get some important outs for you, that's like adding a nice arm at the deadline. That hasn't happened yet. I'm not anticipating it happen. Would we, could we see one or both of them? Sure. But I'm not anticipating anything of impact coming from either one of these guys. We've just seen too much, and it just hasn't happened. So to me, the Blue Jays have the guys right now that they're going to have to go with. And it was a bit of a quiet trade deadline for the Blue Jays, adding Bass and Pop and help the bullpen, of course, the depth. But are they going to be deep enough and the quality of arms down there going to be enough to make a deep October run? We're yeah. going to find out. It feels like a million-dollar question as we turn down the stretch here. One more for you. And, and listen, after Vladdy's bases loaded at bat against Lou Trevino on Monday, we did Superstat Meaningless Number, and we showed Vladdy's numbers this season with runners in scoring position versus some ridiculous numbers last year. I heard that you had a similar talk with Chris Black on Blake Murphy's show today on the radio. What are you seeing from Vladdy and his numbers this year? 
Well, it's a super stat. Those numbers don't lie. And this is a very, very good hitter. And are, is he back a bit from last year? Yeah, like a lot of Blue Jays hitters, not quite the same season. But when you're an MVP candidate, the league's going to make some adjustments. And I think that's what pitchers have done. Opposing pitchers are attacking him differently. He teed off on a lot of first pitch fastballs last year. Now he's getting more breaking balls and he's chasing a little bit more. So have to be a little bit more disciplined, take your walks at times. He chased a, a cutter off the plate away against Trevino the other day after getting ahead 1-0, and then he chased a sinker down in the zone. Now, these are pretty good pitches, mind you, too. Some good cutters away, sinkers down, not easy. Easier said than done for sure, but I do see something a little bit mechanically in his swing that could be different and that could be resulting in a few more ground balls like we saw right there from Trevino. So he is going to have to continue to adjust to the league just like the league has adjusted to him. That's baseball. And if he's going to be one of the better hitters in the game for many years to come, I think he will. You know, it's funny. I think oftentimes that we forget how old I saw a stat that Adley Rutschman was older than Bo Bichette. Right. And I was just in my head. You're thinking like top prospect just called up. Bo Bichette been around for a few years now. Same thing with how hard are those adjustments in game, Joe? And does it change your outlook on the player or the trajectory of Vladdy at all? Or is this just young guy learning big leagues? Well, I think when you're talking about Vladdy, it's it's young guy continuing to evolve and develop right. as a major league star because I think that's what he's going to be for many years to come. And can he make that adjustment? Absolutely. We saw him at his best last year, laying off pitches a little bit more and being a little bit more disciplined. And I think when he does that, that's when he becomes lethal because he's forcing pitchers onto the plate. And once they do that, they're going to be in trouble. And when, when you're chasing and expanding, when they're trying to get you to, to, to expand that zone, you're just playing right into their hands. We know he can do it. He, I think sometimes, too, it's just a mindset because you have to know what those pitchers are trying to do to you. And I'm sure, hey, he's got all the numbers that we have, too, that you just showed. He knows what the pitchers are trying to do to him. He's getting more first pitch breaking balls. He's getting fewer strikes on the first pitch where he did a lot of that damage last year. And some of that too, Tim, I think he developed some great habits last year. A lot of these Blue Jays hitters did from their Dunedin experience. You know, we were seeing them pepper balls to right center field. And when right-handed hitters are doing that, right. mechanically they are very sound and in a very good place. And I just don't think he's getting quite that deep barrel turn now that he was doing that last year by staying behind the baseball because he knew that he could let that tra ball travel just a fraction of a second longer. Now you get a little antsy, maybe you get out there and try to pull the ball to do damage, which yeah. he doesn't need to do, but he's doing it a little bit and then you get susceptible to the breaking ball away and maybe jamming yourself with a little steeper angle to that fastball. So it can create problems, but I don't think this guy will have any problems fixing this. Just a matter of how soon he can. They need him desperately down the stretch to get red hot. Yeah, I love that point about, about Dunedin and a little bit of a band box there and you can get it out to that right center field. Maybe just wait on him for pitch a little bit longer. Great point there, especially Buffalo too. Buffalo played that way a little bit too. Uh, Joe, always great talking baseball with you. Thanks for doing this, man. All right, Timmy, have fun tonight. Uh, there is Joe Siddle. You can see him on Blue Jays Central ahead of the Jays in about 14 minutes' time right here on Sportsnet. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 as we continue with the match game, nice. Jesse, that seems to be capturing the momentum online as some dude decided he was going to drink a beer through a hot dog. It inspired our match game. It may sound weird, but I eat blank, and it's awesome. I guess we could have included I drink blank. Because wow. okay. he's doing a little bit of both. People here. get the idea. Doing pretty well online. Uh, Ricky Romero writes in and says, friend of the show, Ricky Romero. Nice. Former it may MLB sound weird, but I eat the shells of peanuts. Wow. And it's awesome. It's, you know why? It, it, it takes a lot of workout. 
Yes. <laughs> just eat the whole thing. But people do that with sunflower seeds too. Yeah, that, that I don't get. The whole like joy of eating, I mean, probably the same for peanuts. Isn't the whole joy of it to like, unwrap the shell and be able to eat the whatever's inside? The I'm with no. Ricky. I mean, I don't, no, I don't eat it. No, it's not. Yeah, I, if if I go to the store, I get the I get the peeled. No, yeah, yeah, you peanuts. don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't want. You get the you get yeah. the un what yeah. the unshelled peanuts. The de-shelled peanuts? Yeah, I mean, peanuts are one thing, but sunflower seeds, you get unshelled sunflower seeds? Oh, that too, yeah, you can get those too, yeah, without a doubt. You get that? Yeah. Wow, that's You get them in bulk, yeah. Judgment-free zone, but... I mean, if you're playing baseball and you're wasting time, that's part of it, or you're watching baseball. No, it's like, we're like creatures that have to multitask, so when you have, like, 20 sunflower seeds in your mouth, you figure out a way, it's like... Nope. All right, fine. I'll, I'll admit the laziness. All right, fine. Uh, Justin says, sugar donut with a craft single on top. I love, <laughs> I, I love seeing your face. <laughs> I want to see people eat this. I, they, we are doing it. I want video. We're doing it. What, what do you mean we're doing it? We're going to take some of these suggestions, and we're going to do it on Friday. Right. Oh, on Friday. That's the rumor. Going you got around. any more here? That's, yeah, we could be here all day. Like, Just tell me when we'll, to stop. We're running out of time. <laughs> Another Justin writes in and says, uh, it may sound weird, but I slice cheese off a brick and dip it into barbecue sauce and eat it, and it's awesome. Cheese off a brick. That's not that weird. That's I don't think weird. it's the cheese off the brick. It's the barbecue sauce. Part. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> lightly, it's fine. I feel like that's fine. Uh, match game more. trending number one in Canada. It is. Wow. Tim and Friends number three is everyone's jumping in on this Nice thing. work. Nice work. Chelsea says, uh, my husband eats cheese Whiz on banana bread. That sounds like a crime. Yeah, and he spelled Whiz wrong. Whatever, go ahead. What's the... <laughs> <laughs> Nelson, I make my cereal milk hot and always add slices of cheese what to add in my cereal and melted that. cheese. That's the worst I've That's seen. That's the one. Sebi's just That's the, the one right there. Okay, Nelson, right back in. No, I can't What cereal are you eating I wouldn't do this. with the melted cheese? That's like, is it cornflakes? Is yeah. it rice? Are you Captain Crunching this? Like, what is it? it if it's oatmeal, maybe. Yeah, but no, but if it's anything else, if it's a sugar cereal, like, that's... Very strange. People just like cheese way too much. Cheese Whiz, peanut butter, those are like the new national foods of Canada. Uh, I would say keep them coming, but we're trending uh, number one in Canada. So I'm having a hard like enough time are. as it is, but like still, <laughs> keep them coming. If we get all right. good ones, I'll uh, make We'll work. continue to tee up the Jays and the Red Sox, plus much more of your match games coming up. Before we hand it off to Blue Jays Central, Joe and Jamie standing by, Tim and friends, marching you towards Red Sox and Jays weather pendant. Weather pending. We might have to pull out that Doppler radar. Welcome back, friends. Less than 10 minutes away from Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Jays opening up a three-game series in Boston against the Red Sox. Ross Stripling takes the mound off a great performance against Baltimore, allowing one hit, striking out seven. Over six-plus shutout innings. John Schneider on the impact Stripling has had on the team this year. In any role, really, kind of swing man and out of the pen and then asked to start and really kind of took advantage of the opportunity. He's been as consistent as there is, not just on our team, but I think around the league. Um, so he's been just a, just a really stabilizing force with us. He's been awesome. 
All right, we'll get to uh, more Jays Red Sox as we walk into Blue Jays Central, but I want to fit a few more match games in before we say goodbye to the audience mm. on Sportsnet. It was inspired by a dude drinking his beer through a hot dog, and we thought, what weird combination do you eat? And this is trending number one in Canada. Tim and Friends trending number three in Canada. It may sound weird, but I eat blank, and it's awesome. All right, these two quickly from Facebook. Daddy O'Leary. Leon says, I pour peanuts in my Coke drink so I can eat peanuts and drink Coke at the same time. <laughs> that one's mystifying at this juncture. Michael Roberts, cheese whiz and onion sandwiches, salt and pepper to taste. Warn your better half before attempting to sneak a kiss, though. What? I want to see people eat this on. now. We're getting to the point where you got to send in video of you eating that so we can see that you're not just trying to get us to read it live on air because yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, still, Nelson takes the cake, and I want to see warm milk and cheese melting on cereal. I need to know, Nelson, what is the cereal you're using for that? Like, imagine for a second it's Rice Krispies. You said it was uh, warm. It was actually hot. Makes it even worse, in my opinion. This is the real McCoy from Instagram. Toast with cheese whiz and raspberry jam. What's with the PB and, and cheese whiz? You gotta expand your window to cover your desktop there. Come on, man. No, I don't. I, I, <laughs> come on, whatever. Maddie, director of the show, help me out on this one. Yeah, oh, Dobby, God, you agree? Just yeah. Destroyed now. Yeah. All right, okay. let's go back. Okay, in I'm the going day. to Twitter. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. And this is national TV. Here we Jesse. go. Come Here on, we go. come okay. on, man. All right. What's Neil going says, on? Here? Fine. Fine. We're going back to Twitter. Neil says, "I eat no. peanut butter and pepperoni sandwiches. Peanut Delicious. Peanut butter and pepperoni sandwiches. That's just like two things you love as a kid. That's all that is, is it not? Why? What's the pepperoni? You got any more here on your terrible? Uh, yeah, yeah. Trisha says peanut butter and mayo on buttered toast. Those don't match. <laughs> I remember someone gave me a peanut butter and butter sandwich, and I thought that was gross. And then I was told like people in the UK do that all the time. Yeah, I guess peanut butter is a more um, like people choose to use use it with more stuff well, than I thought. Obviously, we've learned that over the last. Little I thought while. it was just peanut butter on toast <laughs> or peanut butter and jam, but evidently it's peanut butter and literally whatever you want. We had Chris Paul tell us, uh, I believe back in 2015, that he did ketchup and chips. Sorry, 2016. Yeah. And I'm not talking about ketchup chips. I'm talking about ketchup and chips. Here's the video evidence. You know how many times I had a styrofoam plate? and just got some chips and a bunch of ketchup on the side. What do you think? They tried it. They should have stopped it. There's <laughs> <laughs> a no. They should have cut that out. Some stuff just can't be replaced. That was our uh, NBA Canada trivia. We gave him ketchup chips, and he's like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. No, nah, it's gross. Didn't like, I, I disagree with him wholeheartedly. Ketchup chips are great. Ketchup chips are great. Yeah, just like all dressed, you know. They don't have it in the U.S. People don't like it, I guess. I love all dress chips, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for most flavors. Yeah. Dill pickle. Yeah. Solid. Salt and uh, vinegar. Yeah. Yeah, they have that down south, too, I think. Uh, whatever. Salt sure. and vinegar? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. I, don't yeah. Even, I think they have dill pickle. They down actually there. have more options down south. We just tend to harp on the ketchup. Looking at, the, uh, looking at the Doppler radar across oh, okay. Boston, right. it looks yeah. as though we're, we're going to get a baseball game in here. Yeah, that's... Uh, as you notice, the weather going from west to east across the uh, Boston 
Gloucester area in Massachusetts. Oh, look at that spot across shadow. Springfield. Yeah, it looks like we're good to go. It's not a huge band either, so we, we look like we should get the whole game in too. Uh, well, we're going to send you there, and uh, the experts watching this game got you covered. Uh, Jamie Campbell and Joe Siddle coming ahead of the Jays and Red Sox first of a three-game series. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360. Michael Grange will join us from Team Canada's camp ahead of their FIBA qualifiers, plus his thoughts on Kevin Durant. We'll be back in 60 seconds on 360. For those watching the Jays, let's hope we get it in tonight. And we're watching Jay's Red Sox from Fenway Park. Tim and Friends continues on Sports 360. Hello, friends and real friends, because you stuck around on Sportsnet 360. Big week for Canada's men's basketball team as they pair, play a pair of FIBA qualifiers for the World Cup. Canada currently top of the newly formed group in round two, 6 0 record. First up, they host Argentina in Victoria Thursday night, a game you can see on Sportsnet. Then it's off to Panama for a Monday night affair. You can see that one on the network as well. Six NBA players will suit up in this window, including Shea Gilgis Alexander. As Canada looks to punch their ticket to the 2023 FIBA World Cup. Here's Nick Nurse. Our goal, uh, I think, first and foremost, is to get there, right? It's, it's, you got to get in the, the World Cup, right? But I think that it's twofold. It goes to, you know, we want to play well in these games and get as many, many wins as we can and finish as high as we can in this pool so that, uh, you know, our seeding is good too. I think the seeding in the World Cup is certainly a factor. I mean, we saw that last time, right? In our, we had a very, very tough pool last time and we want to try to see if we can't you know go up go up a few levels on our seed um first we got to make it and then but we got to we got to try and clip clip off as many of these games as we can all right joining us from vancouver excuse me victoria had a game one in the window is sportsnet's michael grange michael how you doing man i'm great timmy it's always good to be in victoria yeah it looks like uh it never rains in victoria in my experience from your because uh, I've heard otherwise however <laughs> right now beautiful day and when I was there playing Bear Mountain it was absolutely gorgeous you know who's gonna be playing Bear Mountain uh-oh Michael Grange oh I swear I like the wink yeah. I like the wink all right listen priorities here and I don't know if you know this because you're in front of Save on Food Center in Victoria right now but trending in Canada number one and two match game and Tim and friends because Running theme on the show, after a dude drank a beer through a hot dog, I'm going to ask you the one food thing that you're kind of ashamed to admit that you like. None. None. I listened to a lot of that uh, segment, that back and forth. Yeah. You're lucky I'm still here. I didn't vomit <laughs> on the sidewalk here. I don't know what's wrong with people. Uh, I have a eclectic diet. I'll eat all kinds of things, but... Nothing that would appear on your show. Nice. Put it that way. So, so you're you know, just a, a right. I, I know you're a healthy dude, but you're just a regular healthy dude. No, I'll, I'll eat. You know, I look. My, I like my butter fat. I like my bacon fat. I like all kinds of my fats. I just don't eat them with peanut butter. <laughs> all right. So let's talk some basketball. And, and I guess Canada is kind of hoping for this Victoria. What a difference a year makes here. Oh, absolutely. And and I think it. I, it will be different this year. I think, um, you know, what happened 
in this arena just just over a year ago where they were eliminated by Czech Republic on a Thomas Sadoransky prayer after a furious comeback uh, from Olympic, uh, you know, the opportunity to play in the Olympics. I, I think that was a galvanizing moment for the program. I think it was a galvanizing moment for enough of the players on that team. And I think we've seen it this summer that the commitment level, I think, is higher than it's been. I think they, they understand the big picture. And, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything against Argentina, which you, who will be their sternest test so far in this qualifying process. But I think, you know, in the big picture for this program, uh, there is progress being made. Okay, so I, I understand that there's a lot of people who watch this program and just say, tell me when they show up. But I, have, I hate to have to ask it, but who's there, who's playing in this window against Argentina and Panama? Uh, they, they're going to have s seven or eight of their four summer core of 14. Uh, depends a little bit on Corey Joseph, who was uh, missed the first day of practice with, an, you know, kind of, I, I believe, COVID concerns. But he practiced today, so I presume he's going to be playing. So that's going to be the biggest number they've had in a window. Um, I think the other key thing to notice is some of the players you would love to have playing that aren't playing are here. So Dylan Brooks is here, Lou Dort is here, R.J. Barrett who can't play because he's got about a $120 million contract extension to sign before he can play, uh, you know, feels comfortable playing five-on-five -five competitive basketball. He's here. Um, you know, I, I think the only two people you would like to be here are Jamal Murray and O'Shea Brissett, each of who aren't, but they were present at the window in Toronto and, and participated. So I think the goal of having guys, even if they're playing or not, be around the team, be able to soak up what's going on and, uh, you know, allow the momentum to build in terms of institutional knowledge. I think that's been a success. Uh, so I think from that point of view, I think the program's heading in the right direction. It's not perfect. Uh, it probably won't ever be perfect. But I think the fact that you've got guys taking time out of their schedules to, to be here just to sort of show support, even though they're not playing, that's not insignificant. No, I don't think that's insignificant, especially, especially given the, the past of this program and where people were in this program and what they wanted to contribute to this program. The crazy thing about all this is, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, they might be able to qualify for the World Cup in this window. Is that possible? It is. It depends on, it depends on them winning. They've got to win both their games, and then Dominican Republic would have to lose both of their games, um, and then they would advance, but, uh, which would be great. But in a way, not all that meaningful. I, I think it's almost guaranteed, you can say, that Canada is going to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, seven out of the remaining 12 teams will go. Canada is in first place in their group. They've got the best point differential. It's almost impossible for them to not advance to uh, the World Championships next summer. Don't I think say the that. key Don't here say that, the Mike, World Cup. That scares all Canadian the World basketball. Cup, the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a little bit oh, different. No, no, no. I, I will say that. They're going to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the key is, is they got to go in style. They, they want the most ranking points possible. They want the highest seeding possible because the tire really hits the road at the World, at the World Cup where they have to finish uh, uh, top two among teams at the World Cup from the Americas in order to pre-qualify for the Olympics. And I think that's got to be the job one for this program. I think it would really change the trajectory of anything, of everything if they could pull that off. The, the part of this that makes it real interesting is if they struggle in this window, then you go back to local pros, college players, like that next window, and I just saw a 16 play, like some of the European pros can't even make it over for that. 
True. I mean, that is a challenge, but it, at least that challenge is equally distributed in the sense that, you know, other teams can't call in their NBA right. players during those windows or their uh, top-level European pros during that window. And, and I think Canada has shown, uh, going back to the first go-round, qualifying for the World Championships in 2019, 2019 that they can manage – there's enough, enough depth that they can manage uh, quality wins against good opponents – even without their best pros in those kind of off-season or I should say in-season windows. So I think they're, they're, you know, that's one thing you can't argue with Canada basketball right now is there are a lot of quality players that can help this team when needed. All right, we got three minutes here. I want to get one last question on Canada and get a little Kevin Durant in here. But does it feel like the, listen, you and I have followed this program for long enough, seen enough heartbreak that I stopped you mid-question to say, wait a second, don't say that because we've been slapped enough in the face. Does it feel like the the culture around the program is changing enough that people can buy in and not be worried that they won't be slapped in the face again i mean i think so and i point to shea gilgis alexander i mean he doesn't absolutely have to be here i mean he played both games in the first window and yet he's here in victoria which look it's the most beautiful place in canada arguably but it's not the easiest place in canada to get to um but he's here and his cousin Nikhil is here they're going to be in panama as well on monday which again is you know i think not on the easy. list of things yep. shea gilgis alexander could do on a weekend flying to panama is probably not at the top of them so to his credit he's been engaged and he's been arguably the most engaged of all canada's top nba players along with kelly Olynyk, dwight powell and all of that so i think when when guys of that caliber are that committed and you know you see lou dort who hasn't been able to play because of injury he's been here uh he was there all all six days in the first window he's been here all week uh now in the second window without even getting a chance to play i mean i think that speaks really well R.J. Barrett's been around. Uh, Dylan Brooks, who wasn't around the first time, he's been around. And, and, you know, we're overlooking the guys who actually do play. <laughs> and let's not forget them, the Mel Edgens and the Scrub Brothers and all these Cass Roberts and all these guys who really uh, keep the wheels rolling around here. But uh, I think that, that's, that they've struck on something. And, again, the test isn't so much in this stage of qualifying. I think they're laying the groundwork. I think the real right. – test and, and we're gonna have a lot of conversations about it is gonna be next uh, next summer at the world championships all right the basketball story of the day is that Kevin Durant releases a statement uh, that was signed by both the boardroom and the Nets along with Sean Mark saying he's going back to Brooklyn the summer of discontent over from now biggest takeaway from you from all of this drama in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant well if the Brooklyn Nets were trying to damage the Boston Celtics I mean, what a crafty plan they 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 came up with, right? <laughs> Who are you gonna um, offer? Yeah. Obviously that, yeah. So I mean, how would you like to be uh, Jalen Brown going to a Celtics camp this September? I mean, that's gonna take some real fun spending. Uh, I presume they'll get over it. I think as it relates to the Nets. I wouldn't say this was inevitable, but it seemed the most logical. The best team that Kevin Durant could play on next season at age 34 was the Brooklyn Nets. And I think they're a really good team. I think they've got a great chance to win. We know how flaky they all are, but, you know, stranger things have happened if they can keep it rolling for a whole season. Um, and my only other point would be I'm not 100% convinced it's all over. This has kind of unfolded yeah. fr from a playbook all the way along right up to, you know, fire the coach, fire the GM, and, you know, if you can't get anything moving on the trade front on those circumstances, maybe the next, the next way to do it is 
pretend nothing's wrong, we're going to move forward together, and then kind of do it on the QT as things roll along, maybe if they get into a tough spot you're early in the season. So, um, you know, I think this does make things easier going into October and September for training camp for Brooklyn. But uh, And I do think that if, if that team can kind of look at each other in the eye and find a little bit of trust, I think they're going to be devastating. I think they're a fantastic team. I thought they made some excellent moves in the offseason. Mm. And, uh, you know, if Kyrie shows up, Ben Simmons shows up, we know what KD can do. Joe Harris is healthy. Uh, they're, they're going to be a factor. All right, kids, play nice in the sandbox, unlike Michael Grange, because the police are coming for him as we speak. So we'll <laughs> let you go. <laughs> Seems like they passed. We could hear the sirens, Michael, but they have passed. And Michael's gone. Um, maybe, maybe they were there for Michael. What's Cut the camera. It, it's always louder when it's coming towards you, right? And then as soon as it passes you, the, the volume fades very quickly. Well, it appears, though, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, and uh, I do think of myself as rather perceptive, but that Michael didn't even hear the sirens. Yeah, no, that was just you and me. And everybody in here, I guess, I and all of Canada. Super, super yeah. focused yeah. on what he was delivering about Kevin Durant, the Boston Celtics. I mean, and it's the impressive. Brooklyn Nets. I think that's what. Yeah, happened. that's why I pay the big bucks. Uh, well, we pay you the big bucks, my friend, for last call. First things first, and match game. We'll do two of the three. I love it. Next. Two of the three. Oh yeah, first things first. That's coming, gone. Yeah, it's. Coming. I got it. Process of elimination. <laughs> last call. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> As mentioned before the break, match game last call. We tie it all into one. This is the final segment of the show. Jesse Rubinoff, match game. Uh, huge success. Taking Canada. One and two yeah. in Canada on Twitter today, which changes from all the crap that we normally see on Twitter. I don't think you should pat yourself on the back twice in one show, but well done to everyone. Is Not it? just you, everyone. Are you, are you reprimanding me for saying one and two? No. Or are you reprimanding the show? No, for saying I'm one saying and two? we deserve a pat on the back. But you said we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't do it twice. We already pat ourselves on the back for not Just get to the pushing match. the pin. I don't know what you're It may about. sound weird, but I eat blank and it's awesome. Yeah. So Nelson wrote in originally saying, I make my cereal milk hot and always add yeah. slices of cheese to add in my cereal like the this, melted this was This was the winner, and I needed to know more from Nelson right. Moniz. So you asked for clarification from <laughs> Nelson, and he responded with, cornflakes is my usual cereal, and you need to make sure milk hot enough so that all flakes? cheese is melted. That is hot just... Hot milk and cheese? Yeah. That this one would be tough to do. If we're actually doing this on Friday and we're trying different combinations of what people are saying, this would be tough. Cornflakes are no longer crispy. It's just like a soggy pile of milk cheese. But he doubled down on the hot milk, too. You notice that? Yeah. He said hot milk, and then it's the follow-up tweet. You need to make sure the milk is hot enough. I mean, Nelson. It, it would probably take me like three days to take a deuce after yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, so Katie writes Doesn't in that and says, gum you up? It, Come on here. <laughs> it may sound weird, but I eat. Uh, Katie says, my other half eats mayo hot sauce on a pickle. And then Ross wrote in and said, I'm the other half that just tweeted that a few minutes ago. <laughs> there mayo go. hot sauce on a pickle? Mayo yeah. on a pickle. Oh. I don't think that no. was that bad. Mayo on a pickle is not that bad. No. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Justin, I eat french fries with mustard. I, I've seen people do that. I, again, also I understand why you included it in this. It may sound weird. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I've it, seen people do it. I don't think it. Mustard to me is just vastly overrated. I only like it on a corned beef and or pastrami sandwich. Do, are you a honey mustard person? Like, do you like other types of mustard? Uh, yeah, I don't or just... mind honey mustard. I just think that that prepared mustard, you know, like the, the yellow stuff, mm -hmm. overrated. It is kind of funny, actually, that ketchup is, obviously you have ketchup with french fries, yeah. and the other condiment, mustard, relish, it's just mustard and french fries. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, mayo and french fries. Mayo and french fries mayo. is, yeah, very normal. Chipotle mayo. Uh, okay. Jess says, peanut butter, uh, peanut butter strikes again, peanut butter, cucumber, and mayo sandwich. Don't knock it until you try it. Is that I think, the one we're trying? I think that one is a contender in the clubhouse right now, or a leader oh, in the clubhouse, oh, if you will. Man, I don't want it. Uh, no. Food and pucks, spaghetti oh, with French God. dressing. Like, we can do this all day. It is, it is truly a shame that the doing? show ends at 7 o'clock today. What you, that's yeah. like in a movie with Italian yeah. people when someone pulls out the spaghetti and ketchup and they just go crazy. That's what I'm doing with that one. Yeah. Uh, right. That one, no. That one's enough. You want to get the last call? Let's do it. Uh, great job, everyone. Thank you back. so much. Yeah. Whenever I mention, and, and I know this is for you and the audience, whenever I mention where we are, that's a thank you to the friends of the show for making us trend in Canada because it's unbelievable that that happens that so many of you get involved on yeah. socials that we trend in Canada. So the pat on the back is not for me or for you or for whoever came up with the idea to do that match game today. It's for the friends of the show who, who propel us, who elevate us by interacting with this show live on national TV. You're right, but also the person who had the idea. Okay, uh, the Canadian Women's Open is happening in Ottawa this week as the tournament returns for the first time since 2019. Brooke Henderson is from nearby Smiths Falls, Ontario, and the greatest golfer this country has ever produced will be the center of attention this week. Sports I can say get out of here because it was my idea. Sportsnet's <laughs> Adam Stanley had a chance to catch up with her oh, nice. a short time ago. <laughs> Brooke. All right, we're here with Brooke Henderson, and Brooke, you're back. The CP Women's Open is back. We're back. How does it feel to be back here in Ottawa? Um, it's so cool. You know, not having this tournament for three years almost it was crazy. And just to have the love and support of all the fans and all the people out here, you know, it's just been practice rounds the last two days, and there's been so many people out watching. Um, it's just an incredible feeling, and I'm just really looking forward to Thursday when it all starts. What would you say that the golf course is playing like right now? You've seen it a couple of times. Obviously, uh, it has been a little bit wet, but how would you assess the golf course to this point? Um, yeah, normally it's pretty firm and fast, and right now it's a little bit softer because we've got so much rain, um, but it's still very fast on the greens, especially downhill, so hopefully I'll be having a lot of uphill putts this week. But the course is in amazing condition. They do such a great job here at the Ottawa Hun, and um, I feel like it's awesome to have all my friends from tour out here playing such a great golf course and in such an awesome city, and um, it just feels great to be back at the CP Women's Open. An incredible season, two wins, of course you won a major. How does, you, how does your game feel right now coming into the week? Uh, yeah, the last two months have been really great. Uh, you know, to get two wins, including my second major championship, um, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence right now. So I'm hoping that I can really, you know, ride that wave into this week and, and you know, get off to a fast start Thursday, Friday and see if I can be in contention come Sunday. 
How does it feel to be the face of the tournament? You're on the hotel keys, you're on a bunch of advertisements, your face is very large and it's all over the place. How does it feel to be the face of this event? Um, it's amazing. You know, I'm really proud to be a CP ambassador um, and all the amazing things they do for heart health and you know, helping families. Um, so to be part of that charity aspect is really cool and really special to me. And then also, you know, to be back in Canada and to have all the Canadian support, um, it's just incredible. And I just saw my commercial up there on that TV right there as you were saying that. So yeah, my face is everywhere, but it's just really cool and I'm just trying to embrace it as much as I can because what an opportunity it is. Speaking of very cool, it was just announced that you are in the new Tiger Woods video game developed by a Canadian company, but that's got to be awesome. How did it feel to know that you were in a video game? Um, yeah, you know, as an athlete, you dream of being in a video game. It's just kind of the the ultimate. So when I was asked to be a part of it, I was uh, really excited and I think it'll be pretty cool when it comes out. Amazing. Well, Brooke Henderson, uh, good luck this week and thanks for doing this. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Was that just Lori Kane in the background? Yeah, very cool. That is awesome. Two Photo legends. bombing in the back. Three, including Another Adam Canadian Stanley, yeah. legend, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you like Brooke's chances this week? Because she's pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, having to speak to guys like uh, the homie, Adam Stanley, yeah. today, having Lori Kane, there's a lot of pressure for our fellow Golf Town ambassador, mm -hmm. Brooke Henderson, going into this tournament. Last time she played Ottawa Hunt Club 2017, finished 12. As you heard, her game is at it. She's the favorite going in for good reason, but there's a lot of pressure being so close to home. Uh, I wish her the best, and I hope she can handle the pressure. We've seen her be able to handle the pressure in the past because they, I mean, 70,000 tickets have been sold in advance. <laughs> Like plus the walk, walk up. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And by the way, shout out twelve-year-old Lucy Lynn. Have you heard this story? Maybe She's qualified yeah. out of Vancouver for this tournament at the age of twelve. What were <laughs> you doing at twelve? I don't think I started playing on an actual golf course until probably thirteen. And I hit the ball what a hundred yards at thirteen. Yeah. And I'll she is going to be playing in the CP Women's Open. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was doing. I 74? Was, I was eating peanut butter mayo and cucumber sandwiches. That's what I was doing at the age Were of 12. You? We weren't eating KD and tuna, I'll tell you <laughs> no, that. No, I wasn't. Uh, it's winner take all tonight in the WNBA playoffs as the defending champion Chicago Sky visit the New York Liberty in game three of their first round series. The Sky had home court advantage, but under the WNBA's new format, the yeah. lower seed hosts the first two games in the first round, and if necessary, the higher seed hosts the deciding game three. Chicago head coach James Wade expressed concerns about the format before the series began. Are you okay with it? Win game one. It used to, listen, as, as terrible as it was, it used to be a one and done for the first round. It was one game, mm -hmm. and if you lost it, you were out. And so this is better than it was, and until they get to the level where they're making enough money to go back and forth for a seven game series, we're not gonna have this. So this is better than the one and done. I get it, just win game one. How about that? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Raptors have had trouble you don't with like guys, history too. You don't like guys flipping bats? Yeah. Pitch better. You don't like playing game three on the road? Win game one. Uh, okay, one more story for you. It's unclear whether Zidane Ochara will return for his 25th NHL season. Islanders general manager Lou Lamorello said Monday that the team is not considering re-signing Chara. Is this the end for Big Z? I would hate for it to be like this, but how else is it going to be? Like, I mean, I thought that the Leafs should have tried to pick him up at the deadline last year to give them you a, did say that. a little that. bit of yeah. grit, a little bit of um, toughness. 
especially on the back end, but he's now 45. Either way, from a guy that people thought couldn't play in this league to a wonderful career at the age of 45, well done, well done yeah. Zidane Chara. And I know that there's people in this country that hate him, but would they have liked him on their team in his prime? Hell to the yeah. That does it for us, Jays and Red Sox on Sportsnet. Mets and Yankees on Sportsnet 1. And after Raw in Toronto yesterday, NXT on Sportsnet 360 at 8 p.m. Eastern. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us, and we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.